receive one another, and last week was bear one another's burdens. Um, and so it's just about how we're supposed to operate. But I want to tell a quick story before I begin, and I'll kind of illustrate a little bit of the point, maybe a gruesome way, a gross way maybe. But I don't know about you, but growing up in the Midwest, um, I grew up on, I think our family had like a 100-acre farm, all right? So like we didn't have like the type of farm where I had to go out and milk cows. We had a bunch of barns, but really we just rented out the land and it was farmed, right? So we grew up on a farm. You know, my activities growing up were riding four-wheelers and tractors with my buddies. So naturally, I tried chewing tobacco at a very young age, all right? I mean, I tried that grizzly when I was like in sixth grade, you know? And, you know, all your friends were doing it. They did it in shop class at school, in auto shop class. But I remember I tried it, and it was really the first and last time I've ever tried it when I was like, like 13 years old. I don't know if anybody, like the first time you try grizzly or that skull, the first time you put that stuff in your mouth, you're not supposed to swallow it. <laughs> I knew I wasn't supposed to swallow it, but it's hard not to swallow the juices. And as a 13-year-old trying it with all my buddies, I was just swallowing them juices walking to the football game on Friday night. And I had to leave and go home at the first quarter because I was so sick. And my mom's like, what you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'm just going to go upstairs. I'm tired. It's like 8 o'clock at night, you know. And I laid on the bathroom floor in agonizing pain for about an hour, right? And you know what I was hoping for? when you're laying on the floor in the bathroom after you swallowed that grizzly juice? What are you hoping for? Hoping to throw up. <laughs> please, God, let me throw up. I wasn't even a Christian then, and I'm like, please, God, I just want to throw up. And I remember when I threw up, like most times we throw up, it brought tremendous relief, right? And you guys weren't expecting a sermon on throw up, but here, there's a whole point to this. There's a whole point to this. When we're sick or we have food poisoning, or in general, throwing up is the worst thing in the world, and it also brings a lot of relief most of the time. And we're just like, oh, I feel so much better. That stunk, and I hate it, but I just, I feel so much better. And uh, vomit or puking is the natural way our body just gets rid of stuff that shouldn't be there. It's a, it's a, it's a good process that I think God has given our bodies to just get rid of things. And, uh, and so today, as we're talking about this topic of confession, we're talking about, like, confession of sin, I heard this quote, and it's this, and I, I can't, can't come up with it, but it illustrates it, is this. Confession is the vomit of the soul. Confession is the vomit of the soul. Right? Isn't that good, Mark? You want to get that on a t-shirt, buddy? <laughs> you want just your soul to vomit, you just confess your sins. And it's a way for our soul. It's a purging of our soul of all known sin that we have. And we come, and we come to Jesus in prayer, and we're supposed to just get it all out, right? We're supposed to get it all out. And even though it's not fun, it's not great, we sometimes hold back on doing it. When we get out our sin, it makes us feel better, like a weight is lifted off our shoulders. And I got a biblical definition of confession, but confession is the acknowledgement of sin to God and or to someone you have wronged, all right? So somebody you have wronged and to God. And it's changing your ways, which is a big fancy word just called repentance. And so repentance means that you are changing your course of action. So repentance means I'm changing my ways. And so 
Um, we all talked about last week that sin is, um, sin is anything that you do in disobedience to God or his word is sin. And so when we confess, we acknowledge our sin to God or to somebody we may have wronged and changing our ways. Because there's something that's really important is this. Confession without repentance is useless. Let me say that again. Confession without repentance is absolutely useless. That's almost just bragging, right? If you're not going to change your ways, what's the point of confessing? And so repentance and confession always have to go hand in hand. Um, confession without repentance is useless to God or to our friend, right? Like you tell your boss, hey, sorry, I've been stealing from you. Uh, you know, I just have to confess I'm stealing from you. And if you keep on doing that, well, that's, that confession wasn't very good. You were just <laughs> telling them something that you're continually doing. So, but confession, first and foremost, should be to God, right? Like it always should be to God. He is the one who actually can forgive our sins. And as Christians, there's one moment in our life, and it's, it's when we get saved or we go to God for salvation, that we come and we, we just tell God to forgive us of all our sins. We put our faith in Jesus we put our faith in who Jesus is, in the cross, and on his resurrection. And at that moment, we are what's called positionally sanctified. That means our position now went from dead to alive. Our position went from sinner to forgiven saint. And so all our sins are forgiven in that moment, past, present, and future. We are positionally sanctified. But as you know, once we get saved, we are a what's called, the Bible calls it, you know, a baby Christian, an infant in, in our faith. And so throughout life, it says, it talks about when we sin, we have to continually go back to God and acknowledge our sin and confess our sin. It doesn't mean that every time we sin, we are bouncing in and out of hell. It doesn't mean that, and the Bible doesn't teach that, because again, once and for all at the cross, we are positionally sanctified. Amen? That's why we're so that's what worship is so joyful about, is like we are, we are free in Christ. We, all the shame and guilt is lifted, but we still have an obligation as we walk through life and we screw up that we go and acknowledge our sin to God and say, hey, I screwed up, and then we go through life, and then it's, the first is positional sanctification, and the, then the rest is called progressive sanctification. That means all throughout our life, we are going to look more and more like Jesus than we did before. Some people progress really quick. Some people progress really slow. It's just a journey we're each are on. And what I could say is, that's why we're not called to judge each other, right? Because if I judge you for where you're at right now, I have no idea how far you've come for where you were five years ago. And I, you have no idea how far I've come. In God's eyes, you made 10, you know, 1,000 miles of progress, and I've only made five miles of progress. But on the outside, I might look cleaner or something than you. So that's why we're not called to judge, because you don't know where people have come from and how far they've traveled on their road to sanctification. And so we first and foremost need to come to God. Um, the first confession in the Bible ever recorded is with who? Who do you guess? Who would you guess is like the first confession in the Bible? What's that? Adam. Very good. Adam and Eve. God found them, and they were just naked, hiding out in the bushes. And he said, why are you hiding? And they said, because we're naked. And God said, who said you're naked? And they said, the snake did. And they're like, oh, no, did you eat from the apple? They're like, yeah. And Adam said, yeah, I, a, Eve actually got me to eat from it. It was my wife's fault. It was her fault. You gave her to me after all. 
Why'd you do that? And Eve said, it's a snake's fault. So they confessed. But here's the beauty. Um, the good news of the gospel is we could have all this guilt and weight taken off of us. And that's with us, different with Adam, is, is we have the cross. We have Jesus who we go back to. And um, the beauty is, is that when we ask Jesus for forgiveness, all our sins are taken. And we don't have to walk in guilt or shame. We don't have to essentially hide in the bushes. And that's kind of the beauty of the gospel is this. I believe that every human on earth wants one thing. And it's kind of two parts. And I'll explain this. We want to be fully known and fully loved. We want to be fully known and at the same time fully loved. I believe that's the ultimate human need for everybody is to be fully known and fully loved. And that is the beauty of what God did for us, right? God knows our innermost being. God knows all of the horrible things we've done. God knows every horrible thought we've had, and he's forgiven us and welcomed and loved us despite of our sin. So we could be literally fully known in every way and unbelievably fully loved, and that's really special. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? Part of the reason we have a hard time opening our hearts to other people is we're afraid if people know who we are, they're not going to love us. So we block ourselves off from being fully known. And that's the problem is, if you are in a dating relationship and you're about to get married and you have a guarded heart, you may feel like, hey, they fully love me, but they do not fully know me. Right? And that's a scary place to be. (laughs) It's like they might actually get to know me and they won't love me. And that's happened, you know. People find out something about us, and they're like, hey, this is too much. As Christians, we're called with each other to know each other and love each other. And so um, that's, I believe, our ultimate desire, and that's fulfilled in in Jesus, is to be fully known and fully loved. So we've seen our first confession. Jesus taught confession when he taught the disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, 12. And he was teaching the model prayer, also known as the Lord's Prayer to some of us who maybe grew up Catholic. But Matthew 6, 12, Jesus tells us um, as part of the prayer, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. So he's saying every day when you come to the Lord and pray, you should have a confession piece to your daily prayers, just between you and God. And just purge out your sins to God in prayer. This is very good, um, however that looks, every day that we come to God in prayer. And so we need to do that daily. And confession should also be to our fellow man, right? If I have wronged you as a fellow Christian, I need to do really two things. I need to ask forgiveness to God because I sinned against a fellow man. And I also need to go to you and ask for forgiveness, right? And so that's on all of you guys. We don't have an obligation just to go to God, but we must go to our fellow man or fellow woman, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and ask for forgiveness. That is super important And that's what we leave out. And that creates restoration in the church. Um, If you sin against your husband or your wife, you sin against your coworker, you must confess your sins to them and say, hey, I'm sorry, and then I won't do that again. That's repentance, right? I'm sorry, I won't do that again. Um, We need to be vigilant about apologizing to anyone that we may have wronged. And this is important to God, and it's on you. Um, Matthew 5 um, 23 through 25 says this, and this is how important it is to God. He's saying, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar 
and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and first and go and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly in the church. Settle matters what? Settle matters what in the back? Thank you. Quickly. It's like, <laughs> somebody's like, welcome. Um, settle matters quickly. And so this business of being angry at people in the church, that is not reconciliation. That's something that we need to do. Like if somebody sinned against us, we need, to, we, are, we need to tell them, according to Matthew 18. And um, if we've sinned against somebody, or so, you know somebody has something against you, we need to go to that person and we need to try to make it right. If they're not willing to make it right, that's between them and the Lord, but we must always try to be reconciled with our brothers and sisters, and this is super, super important. And what this is even saying here is, if you are getting ready to tithe, if you're getting ready to tithe and write your check to Jericho Road Church, he's saying, don't tithe until you've reconciled with your fellow man or fellow uh, sister or brother. He's saying, it's better to go online. If you're online giving, stop all your giving online and be reconciled to your brother and sister than to give your money to the church. Because God wants you to be faithful and obedient more than he wants your money. Right? Does that make sense? And so he's saying, this is how important it is. You never hear your pastor say that. Like, hey, don't tithe this week. And I said that before in an email. If you guys remember a few, maybe it was probably like a year ago now. I sent out an email to the church, and I just said, if you have a brother or sister that you have refused to seek forgiveness or reconcile, if you are harboring bitterness and refuse to forgive, please stop giving. Because this says you need to go and reconcile with them before you make any gift. Because you're not going to please God if you are harboring unforgiveness. Nothing else is going to please God. And so it's incredibly important. And the Bible talks more about, like, there's dangers of unconfessed sin. There's nothing, I think, worse in our bodies than unconfessed sin. Um, so I know as believers, Jesus died for our sins once and for all. We're positionally sanctified. But we must daily go to God for forgiveness and repentance. It should be just a regular rhythm in our life of going to God and just settling matters quickly, not only with each other, but with God. And in our minds, sometimes we think, I need to wait, or God's punishing me, or God's angry with me, so I need to wait a couple weeks before God will really forgive me. It's not true. You go to God, confess, he forgives you, you walk in freedom, and it's good. Um, and we're not supposed to hold that in. But unconfessed sin grows like a cancer in our souls. And it will, it will eventually destroy us. And the Bible even talks about unconfessed sin makes us physically sick. Like, like literally physically sick, whether, whether it's physically and mentally sick, like anxiety, depression, but also like sick, sick, disease. And it comes from this. And you see this throughout the Bible. And I'll build this out a little bit for anybody who's skeptical. But in Psalm 32, it says this. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2 says this. Um, we have this. Okay. This is the first part, and I'll read the second part. David says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions uh, um, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose um, spirit there is no deceit. Okay? And then it goes on to verse 3 and says this. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. Um, I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Meaning that Jesus hasn't returned a second time, number one. And so today is the day of salvation. Like, today is the day, like, you know, we got to seek God while he is still able to be found. And this is like a warning to people who aren't believers. He's saying one day, you might eternally, your soul might be in a place where God cannot be found. It's a place the Bible describes as hell. And so it's saying today is a special day that everybody has an opportunity to seek God here on earth why he is still, where, when he's still able to be found. Surely in a rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. So it talks about this groaning. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Um, when I refused to confess my sin, it was eating me up inside, and I was just, I was in anguish, and I was in anguish. And so it goes on, like, to a New Testament example when Paul is telling the church about how to take communion. He says, he talks about this, and he says that we all need to confess our sins to God before we take communion. It's very important. And he says, this is why some of you are sick. This is why some of you are actually sick. So look at 1 Corinthians 11. 28 to 32. And this is Paul teaching about communion. Verse 28 says this. And he's saying, before you take communion, he says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So it means, take a look in the mirror, take a look at your week, take a look at your past year, take a look at your life, and just examine yourself before you eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat of and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat, judge, eat and drink judgment on themselves. For this is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep, or that's why some of you have died even. But if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be fully condemned with the world. And so he says, examine yourselves for any unconfessed sin. Is there anything in your life that we are holding back from God? If so, do your business with God, pray, and he will forgive, he'll forgive us of all our sins and give us a pure heart, and we could not be sick. And he said, in a, in a lot of ways, many of us will be healed. There's a biblical mandate that unconfessed sin can manifest itself in sickness in the body. Whether it's a stomach ache, whether it's depression, whether it's other disease or ailments. And this is what James is talking about in our key verse. And so James 5, verse 13 through 16, if you have your Bibles, um, is our verse where we get our one another's passages. It says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power in its working. Let me pray, and then we'll build this out a little bit. God, we thank you for this word. Um, God, help it soak into our hearts. 
God, I pray that if there's anybody sick, number one, they, that they call upon the elders, at least let us pray for them and, and, um, and pray for them for healing. God, if any of us is, is happy or filled with joy, God, let us sing out when we praise you. God, I pray that everybody here takes time to just examine themselves. If they have any bitter or anger towards any other brothers and sisters that they confess that to you, and they go and leave their gift at the altar and make amends with their brother and sister. And I, God, I just pray that we have nothing in our hearts, and we have a clean account with you, Lord. And just, uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it, he's saying, here's something we need to do. If you are sick, you need to call upon the elders. And so really that's on you guys who are all sick is to, um, if you're really having a sickness that you just can't get over, really do call me, text me, email me. Like we'll have the elders come pray for you. People do it all the time. And it's just part of our job as pastors and elders of the church is to pray for the sick. And so, but that's on you to come forward in faith and ask for that. Um, and it's saying for this whole healing experience, just like in communion, you need to examine yourself and confess any known sin. And it says if he has sin, not saying that everybody is sick, it's because of sin, but he's saying if he has sin that's causing him to be sick, this sin, um, you must confess it now and, and take that time to confess it. And so, after this 20-some minute build-out, here is our one another verse for this week, and it's James 5, 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to who? So it's saying confess your sins to one another. So it's kind of the third part of this. The first is this, and I have a little list here of the order. The first is go to God with your confession. That should be first and foremost. Like every day we need to go to God for confession um, and confess our sins. The second is go to people that we have wronged, which means if, if somebody's angry at you or if you're angry at somebody, suck it up and talk to them because the church will be stronger for it. And you, the Bible says, will gain a brother or a sister. You'll be closer to people than you ever thought you could be if you just work on your differences and go to the people that we have wronged or people that have wronged us. And then there's a third part. It's confess your sins to one another. And now this isn't like for forgiveness. This is just talk to one another about your sins. And so we as a church, typically speaking, men to men, women to women, we should be, have a short enough relational distance between each other that we could do this. If you feel like, hey, there's nobody at J-Road I can confess my sins to, and I don't really have any Christians I could confess my sins to, that means there's too much relational distance in the church, and we need to shorten that up. And if you're in a missional community, um, that is great. There, there should be somebody there who you could, who you could like, confess your sins to if you need to. If you're not in a missional community, this is the place to be, and we will help you get involved in one. If you want to be in one, let me know. We will get you plugged into a missional community. Because all of the one another passages we're talking about are best lived out in missional community. It's very hard to do all of these things on Sunday morning. Sunday morning is an awesome time for praise and worship and for um, teaching and for fellowship for like a brief minute. But there's not enough time to talk here on a Sunday morning. There just really isn't. It's just for, hey, how you doing? But where life change happens is in missional communities. And so that's why I'm always going to be encouraging people to be in missional community. And if somebody says, hey, I really want to be in missional community, but I just can't, 
the only day I have free is literally Sunday morning, then you should start a missional community on Sunday morning. And you could do it in the back. We have plenty of rooms. You could use my office if you want. Because it is just that important. Because both are expressions of the church when people are gathered together, but I believe missional communities are a better expression of the church oftentimes than Sunday morning. Because that's where you have a family, right? That's where you can talk. That's where you can confess. That's where you could ask people, hey, how you doing? And people saying, you know, not great. I have this going on. Well, let me help you. That's where discipleship happens. That's where all these good things happen. And it's really a good um, view of what the church should look like. So we're called to confess our sins to one another. This relational distance is supposed to get a lot smaller to people in the church. We are not supposed to have walls up between each other. We're supposed to be open and transparent with one another, and we're sh- we should be able to confess our sins. <clears throat> Here's the last point I'll put on the screen here is, we need to have somebody in our lives who knows our every secret. We need to have somebody in our life who just knows all of our secrets. And again, if you have a spouse, your spouse should know all your secrets, of course. But if you have sins that you need to like tell somebody about, like, you need to have a brother or a sister that you could tell those things about. So somebody who knows all your secrets. Somebody who knows all your dirty laundry. Like, we need to have that. Because when our sin is out in the open, it's good. And I know we're worried that, hey, if I tell somebody my sin, I am now fully known, but I'm not sure I'm going to be fully loved. And that's my ultimate desire. I don't want to tell anybody about my sin because they might just, Psh! whoa, this is too much than I bargained for. <laughs> I want a friendship, somebody I could drink a few beers around the fire with, but this is TMI. And if somebody has that, I don't believe they're a real brother or a sister. Because we should be able to confess our sins. And I don't care what you tell me, people in my, in my missional community, I don't care what you tell me, it's not going to cause me to stop loving you. Even if we have to go down to the jailhouse and book you in for something you did, I'm going to be there at your trial, and I'm going to be there visiting you in jail, because I love you. Does that make sense? Nothing you say to me is going to be like, dude, I can't talk to you anymore. Get out of my life. Nothing. And so that should be our distance. And I'm not talking about huge sins. I'm just talking about confess your sins that you struggle with with other people. And we do this in our missional communities. Like, what do you struggle with? And we all share kind of stuff we struggle with. And it's like, oh, me too. I'm so glad I'm not the only one that screams at my kids in anger sometimes. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Bridget. It's like, glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad, you know, people say this all the time, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because, as we said last week, remember what last week's one another's was? Bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. So when somebody confesses their sin to you, we're supposed to bear their burden and, and walk alongside of them and shoulder that with them, right? We're supposed to bear their burdens. And, and like we talked about last week, at church, everybody has their best foot forward. Everybody is... Uh, Mother Teresa and Paul here at church, right? Nobody has any sin and everybody's perfect. And when you get to know somebody and that relational distance shrinks down to where you actually get close to people, you know that we all have a little dirt that we struggle with. And we're supposed to confess that to each other and help each other with that. And so do you have that person where you could share anything with? I think as Dave and Tammy said it, it's not your friends, but they're not your family. They're your family, I think it's called. Is it family? That's what really what a missional community should be, is that family where it's like, hey, I love you, I trust you, I know you, 
And I feel very comfortable with you. And I'm not going to kick you out if you confess your sins to me. So we need to bear each other's burdens. So if somebody confesses their sin to you, or somebody tells you they're struggling, we're called to bear one another's burdens, as we talked about last week. And what does that look like? Hey, calling them. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I know it's been a couple days. Are you struggling with this? How are you doing with pornography? Are you staying clean? Okay, what else do we need to do? Do I need to help you with uh, your accountability software on your computer? You know, what do we need to do? Hey, I know there's a, that man at work that keeps flirting with you. How are you doing with that? Have you told your husband about it? Have you, have you talked to them? Have you talked to your boss about it? Like, we are there to bear each other's burdens. So we call them. We pray for them. We show up at their house and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm here just checking in, you know. I know you said you're struggling in some way. I'm just here to check in. I'm, I'm here for you. It's getting in people's lives, meeting once a week, asking personal questions, and just loving them through their sin. So that's, our, that's my question for you this week is, do you have that Christian brother or sister? Women, if you're, you have that sister. Men, do you have that brother? That you can share anything with. And if you're like, I don't have that at all, um, find that and talk to them. Take them out to lunch, guys. It is not weird to ask another dude to go out to coffee with you. I do it all the time, and it's really good. Get coffee and just talk and say, and I ask all my buddies this too in church, what sins are you struggling with? What, what sins are you struggling with? Tell me about it. How can I help you? Oh, shoot, me too. You know, and women, find this. And if you are struggling with finding community, let me know, and we will get you in a missional community. Because missional community is where life change happens, right? Those of us who are in a missional community, that's where you get to know people. That's where you are fully known and fully loved by people at J-Road. Because it's super hard to be fully known here on Sunday morning. So we need those friends at J-Road. So if you're looking for that, please email me, call me, talk to me, and we will get you plugged in. We have eight or nine missional communities that are going, and they'd be more than happy to receive you and welcome you in. Um, and so that's what the point of these one another's are, so that we are fully known and fully loved by our brothers and sisters, so we model what God has done for us. Because God, A, fully knows us, and he fully loves us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this series where we could try our best to shrink the relational distance we have between each other. That we could love each other so much that we say, hey, what, what are your sins you're struggling with? Do you have any skeletons in the closet? Let's hear about it. And that we don't pass judgment, but we are there to love and to bear the burden. Help us to do that as a church, Lord. Help us to find that family here, Lord, that's closer than our family and, and just cl closer than friends, Lord. That just ha and that's what the church should be. Lord, help us... Um, Help our missional communities multiply. Help them grow. Help them reach out. Help them reach out to people, even here at JRO, to come every week that maybe don't have that community. So we have a place that we could do and practice these one another's. So we thank you, Lord, and we just pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Uh, don't forget, if you have uh, donations to bring in for candy, uh, you could bring them in this week. If you have donations to bring in for diapers and wipes, Bring them in this week still, because um, we're still collecting those. And sign up in the back for every 12th, because that's coming up. And parents and grandparents, the egg hunt is coming up here at J-Road. 
in a few weeks. There's a flyer for it at that rock or on the back table. So grab a flyer for our egg hunt coming up in a couple weeks. Thanks, guys. Go out and be the church.